Welcome to the podcast of Dr. Jeff R. Steele. Dr. Steele is the senior pastor of Redeeming Grace Church of Coleman, Alabama. He's a conference speaker, owner of the Christian music group The Steels, and an award-winning singer and songwriter. Now, here's Dr. Steele. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the oldest, even unto the youngest. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted himself up and saw that no one was there but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are your accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? And she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. First thing I want you to see in our story today is a sinner. I want you to see a sinner. You say, Jeff, wait a minute. I know this story. I know what it says. I know how it ends up. It's a story of grace. It's a story of mercy. It's a story of redemption. It's a story of restoration. Why would you start a story that's that positive with a statement that this woman was a sinner? I started like that because I want you to understand the scripture says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says there are none righteous, no, not even one. I don't want you to look at this story and this woman in light of how it turned out. I first want you to see how it starts off and it starts off like this. This woman is a sinner. How do you know that, Jeff? Because the scripture says we're all sinners and secondly, because At the end of the story, Jesus didn't say go. Jesus said go, and lady, I know what you did was a sin, so don't sin anymore. He didn't call it a bad habit. He didn't call it a bad day. Jesus said go and sin no more. The first thing I want you to see is that this woman is a sinner. Then I want you to see her sentence because her sentence is clearly defined in Scripture. These people wanted to kill her for the act of adultery. I won't make you turn, but I'll read you what it says. Leviticus chapter 20 and verse number 10, here's what the law said about her sin. It said, and the man that commits adultery with another man's wife, even he that commits adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall be put to death. Deuteronomy chapter 22 and verse 22 says, if a man be found lying with another man's wife, a woman married to a husband, they shall both die, the man and the woman. I'm going to say something that may surprise you because I don't want to take their side for very long. But this woman's accusers, according to the law, are exactly right. She should die. The Bible even says in the New Testament that the wages of sin is death. She deserves to die specifically for this particular crime against the law. They are exactly right, except for one thing. The law said both the man and the woman should die. Can I clue you in on something here today? She didn't do this crime by herself. It's impossible to do the crime she is accused of by herself. And so her accusers are half right and half wrong. 
They drug her down to Jesus, but they didn't bring the man. Are you aware that their sole purpose was to trap Jesus? They could not have cared less about this woman. Here's the truth today. It's very possible that the reason they do not have the man there to present to Jesus was that he was one of them. He may well have been one of them, and that's why they let him slip through their fingers and did not hold him accountable for the same crime they're accusing her of because he was one of them. I tell you something today, it makes me as mad as a hornet trapped in a nest when I think about a church that's full of people who have committees whose only purpose is to go out and catch somebody to prove their point. That's not church. Our job is to love people, regardless of who they are, regardless of what they've done, regardless of where they are in their station in life. Our job is to love people, not our job to catch people. It's not my job as a pastor to catch people. It's my job to love people. And as God gives me the strength, I'm going to love people, and I challenge you to love people. Our job is not to do what they did, to go out and catch people. Can't you see this committee that went out to catch her? Wonder how long they stayed and stared through the window. Wonder how long they had to look at it before they determined she was guilty of the sin of adultery. You see, that kind of thinking leads us into a place of sin. But verse 3 tells us, The Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst. Watch this. They set her in the midst of the temple. They set her in the midst of all the people that gathered for worship that day. They set her in the midst of all the Pharisees, a committee of whom had gone out and caught her, however they caught her, in this sin. But listen, they didn't just set her in the midst of those people and those Pharisees. Honey, unknowing to them, because they didn't believe Jesus was God, they set her in the midst of the only person from whom she could ever receive any help. You get that? They brought her to Jesus, the Savior, the Son of God, God in the flesh. They brought her to Jesus, who is the embodiment of justice. He's the embodiment of pure justice. He ends up being the only person in that room who could rightfully accuse her. But he didn't. He stooped down on the ground and began to write something with his finger in the ground. Hey, he's pure justice. He knows how to take his finger and write stuff, doesn't he? Because at the burning bush that was not consumed in the presence of Moses, wasn't it Jesus who with his finger wrote on tablets of stone the Ten Commandments? He's got some practice as pure justice of being able to take his finger and write stuff that sticks for a long, long time. So instead of bringing her just to the place of being the accused one, they brought her to the place where she could receive help. They brought her to pure justice. So there you see the sinner. There you see her sentence. But now I want you to see something else in this story. I want you to see a horrible plan. These Pharisees had brought her to Jesus, taken in this act of adultery, and they brought her as a trap for Jesus. Their ultimate destination is his death. That's what they want to happen 
They wanted to confront Jesus with the law because if he parts with the law and somehow lets her go, now he's going to be seen as being soft on the law. But his reputation is that he has created for himself and that others have created for him is that he is a friend to sinners. That was his reputation then. It's his reputation now. And they wanted to cause a split between the two, the law and his reputation as a friend to sinners. Can I tell you something today? Legalists, which is what these Pharisees were, they're our day's legalists. Legalists will always be the same, and they'll always be around us. There are a lot of churches today of whom many members of our society in America and I'm sure around the world, there are a lot of churches today where many members of our society will not go to church because they have been made to feel like they're not welcome in some of our churches. We've sent out the message either through writing or through some kind of speaking that we've done or by our reputation. We've sent the message, haven't we? You're not welcome here. That's not to our credit. That's to our dismay. You see, here's what our plan was. Our plan was, well, let's just get all those sinners out of here and then we can meet together on Sunday as a holy bunch of folks. But the problem is, you know better than that. And I know better than that. If we were to get all the people out that we consider to be unholy so that we could have a good holy party amongst ourselves, the problem is we're still here. Hey, if you ever find the perfect church, don't join it. You'll ruin it. Because we're all problematic. We've all got stuff wrong with us. And just because you've never been caught, and remember there's only two groups of people in the world, those that have been caught and those that haven't. That's only two groups that's out there. Just because we haven't been caught, we can't justify ourselves and feel like we're holy because we've done what we've done in secret. The Bible says that when they brought this accusation to Jesus, you're going to side with the law and blow your reputation or are you going to go with your reputation and blow your commitment to the law? What about it? He never said one word. The Bible says he ignored them. The Bible says rather than opening his mouth, he went down on the ground. He stooped on the ground and began to write something in the dirt. Something else I want you to notice here. Why in the world would the Son of God get down on the ground? Here it is. That's where the woman was. That's where the sinner was. That's where they threw her in front of the whole congregation, they threw her down on the ground clutching the sheet, if she still had one, for everything it was worth to try to cover up every ounce of her naked body that could be covered up. And Jesus stooped down on the ground to take the place with the woman. What do you think he was doing in the stable in Bethlehem, being born just like you? What do you think he was doing when he didn't have any place to live? What did he do when he stretched out his arms on Calvary's cross and said, it is finished? He was coming to the place where you were, one songwriter has said, when I could not go to where you were, you came to where I was. Jesus knew who needed the help the most that day. Who needed the help the most was a woman who'd been caught in adultery and thrown on the ground, and he went to the ground.
so he could be closer to. And just like her, he began to write in the dirt. What did he write? I have no idea. You may never find another preacher in the world that'll tell you that. But about this theological question, I don't have an answer. I don't know. Let me give you a couple of maybes. Maybe he wrote Leviticus chapter 20 and verse 10. Maybe he wrote Deuteronomy chapter 22 and verse 22. Maybe he wrote the very law they brought her there under. Maybe he wrote that. I don't know. Maybe he wrote the names of the girlfriends of the Pharisees who brought her. I don't know. Maybe he just wrote the word forgiven. I don't know. Whatever he wrote got their attention. Whatever he wrote on the ground got their attention. And he still knows how to get your attention today. Something unusual about this encounter too. If you go back to the original language, what you're going to read is when Jesus said, let he who is without sin cast the first stone, he very probably was talking about this particular sin. And mostly he was talking to the Pharisees that brought her down there to be stoned. So he looks at the Pharisees who brought her down there taking her in adultery and he says, boys, if there's one of you that is without this particular sin of adultery, if there's one of you, would you boys who have never committed adultery, and remember Jesus said you could do it physically or in your heart or in your mind, he said, boys, if there's one of you that's never done this particular sin, would you cast the first stone? In this time, listen, the witnesses to the crime, the ones peeking through the window, the one who brought her down there, under their system of justice, the ones who brought her down there had to throw the first rock. The ones who witnessed the event had to throw the first rock. So here they are. They're standing there. And Jesus says to them, if you've never done what she's done, cast the first stone. To give them a little bit of credit, when they saw themselves in the light of their own sin, you see what they did? They went home. When they saw themselves in the reflection of their own sin, the same one she is guilty. When they saw themselves in that reflection, they went home. So you see, this is a horrible, horrible plan. Not only a sinner and her sentence, not only a horrible plan, but hey, listen, let me tell you today, in our story, we see an incredible invitation, don't we? Jesus said, because they all went home, everybody dropped their rocks when faced with their own sin. Jesus said, let he, Pharisees first, guilty of this same sin, throw the first one. Everybody in the congregation heard it and began to think about their own life. I'm not without sin. I've done something wrong. I, I shouldn't cast a rock at somebody else that's done wrong. He says, woman, where are your accusers? Now, listen, that's not a derogatory term. A lot of people say he shouldn't have talked to her like that. He said, woman, it's the same thing he called his own mother. It's the same thing he called his own mother. Jesus said, woman. Or, lady, where are your accusers? Well, her behavior in this story is not very ladylike, is it? I mean, she's an adulteress. She was caught in the act of sexual relations with somebody else's husband. And it wasn't the first time. They knew where to go. 
Her behavior is not very ladylike, and yet Jesus says, lady? Rick, why he said that? Watch. Jesus said that because he, more than any of us, had the ability to see those things which are not as though they are. He had the ability to see her end from that place where she was right then. Jesus said, lady, not based on her past, but based on what he could see could be her future. You see today, God sees in every scrub girl a Cinderella. Uh, God sees in every loudmouth drunkard a future preacher of the gospel. God sees in every failure a success. He sees those things that are not as though they are. What does the Bible say? Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Nobody can do that better than God can. Nobody can do it better than God. Think about something. This lady who five minutes ago was taken in the very act of adultery, God sees her as a lady. Think about her someday in the future, sitting and holding hands with her husband and watching her children and her grandchildren, none of which ever would have been had she not met Jesus. The Bible says ultimately it was just her and him. Everybody else went home. You know what? That's what it always comes to right there, just you and him. And based on what you do in that meeting, when it's just you and him. It's going to make the difference in your future in this life and your eternity in the next life. All alone with the Savior. That's where you are today. As he looks at your life and as he looks at your sin and he gives you an opportunity. He gives you an opportunity to say yes to his suffering on the cross. He gives you an opportunity to say yes I want my life changed. Now, let me say one more thing, and I'm through. Jesus said, lady, look where this has gotten you. You were dragged naked in front of the church. You were dragged naked in front of the deacons. You were dragged naked in front of the Pharisees. You feel pretty bad. Doesn't get much worse than this, does it? You don't want to come here again. Go and sin no more. Now listen, the Pharisees of our day, the legalists of our day, when they talk about this story, that's the first place they take you. They don't take you to the, to the forgiveness. They don't take you to the love of the Savior. They take you right to that verse. Yeah, but he said go and sin no more. Yeah, he did. Says that to you and me too. Here's why. Watch. He will forgive you in an instant. He will take away your addiction just like that. He will forgive your sins just like that. But listen. At some point, God doesn't just give you everything and then walk away expecting it to cover the rest of your life. God says, you're going to have to put forth a little bit of effort here. You're going to have to do more than you've done in the past. I mean, I've given you everything. I've forgiven your sins. I've opened the door for you to live a life abundantly with grace and mercy. But listen, you're going to have to do something. You can't just leave here just like you were when you came. You can't just leave here and go right back to the bed of adultery or whatever our sin might be. You can't just leave here and go do it again 
and expect what I've done for you today, expect that to fix you. You're going to have to try. You're going to have to do something. You're going to have to quit whining about your life. You're going to have to quit whining about your state in life. You're going to have to quit going to the places you've been going and doing the same things you've been doing. Jesus said, lady, you're going to have to try. I mean, look what this encounter has brought you, the feeling of grace and mercy. But lady, you don't ever want to come back here. You don't ever want to be hurt like you've been hurt today. You don't want to be, don't want to be humiliated like you've been humiliated today. If you don't want to come back here, lady, you're going to have to try. Some of you are like me today. You're going to have to try. You're going to have to try. You're going to have to do something for yourself, not because it's going to earn you forgiveness of your sins, but because it will show God that you care enough about your own life to try. I hear people all the time that say, I'll never know that I'm not an alcoholic unless I can go in a liquor store and come out without buying something. You know what God says to you today? You're going to have to try. And going into a liquor store and trusting the grace of God to bring you out without buying something you shouldn't buy, that's not trying. That's not trying. If you're guilty of the sin of pornography today in your life, you're opening your mind to things that can never go away. You can't say, I'm going to sit here in my office by myself with no one around the door locked, and I'm going to sit here for four hours and not turn on anything on my computer that's pornographic. You're going to have to try. You're going to have to do something. You're going to have to stop putting yourself in those positions. And that's what Jesus told his woman, lady, I've taken care of your past. I've taken care of your present. But your future, if it's going to be as abundant as I see it, lady, you're going to have to try. You and I are going to have to try. Not so we can save ourselves, but so that we can prove to God we had the right intentions when he saved us. We're going to have to try. Every head bowed, please, and every eye closed. If you'd like to contact Dr. Steele, you can go to his website at jeffrsteele.com. If you'd be interested in Dr. Steele coming to speak or having the Steeles minister at your next event, there's a booking inquiry form there. You may also call the office at 256-590-2068.